Welcome to Where I'm From, the podcast that proves that no matter how far you go, you'll always keep a little piece of home with you. I'm Bill Meeks. This week, original meme maker and design manager at Roblox, Dino Ignacio, joins me to talk about where he's from, the old wide web. Flip on your modems, folks. We're doing a barrel roll through the history of the internet. Riding on the internet, cyberspace, set free. Hello, virtual reality. Interactive appetite, searching for a website, a window to the world, got to get online. Take a spin, now you're in with the techno set. You're going surfing on the internet. You might know Dino for his work on the UIs in games like the Dead Space franchise and Dante's Inferno. Maybe you've seen his work as the UI UX lead on the Oculus VR system. And he's currently the senior design manager for a little game called Roblox. God, I know my kids have played it enough. But before all that, Dino created one of the early internet's first memes, a satirical website called Bert is Evil, all about that grumpy Sesame Street Muppet and his proclivity for debauchery. For folks of a certain age like me and Dino, you could say we're from the World Wide Web. It shaped us, gave us direction. It even gave us the power to make fun of children's television and affect a protest halfway around the world. Today, I'm talking to Dino about his memories of the early internet and how his site, Bird is Evil, led to his current career at the top of the tech industry. Welcome. Okay, we're connected. Let's go. And I'd like to welcome uh, Dino Ignacio to where I'm from. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Bill. I, I do think it's funny that before we started the recording, um, you're you know you're coming in because a lot because of your your tech background, and we had tech issues. I mean, you you can never win. Like you can <laughs> program in COBOL and know all sorts of variables, and you still end up running into an issue with AirPods. No, yeah, I mean, um, a lot of that happens in my life. I I, I think I'm. I'm pretty technically savvy, but something always goes wrong for me in my life. I feel like, that, uh, I don't know if you ever feel this, but when I'm stressed out, I feel like everything, all the technology around me starts to break. I don't know what it is, but maybe we start yeah. projecting more of the electric magnetic energy. I don't know what it is, but yeah, everything starts to break. Well, it's like, you know, technology is a matrix, right? And uh, when you when or it's maybe even a spider web's a better metaphor. And when you feel like one thread vibrating, you can't focus on any other thread. You got I have to deal with what's yeah. going on here. So true. Yep. Oh, hey, friends. Today's featured Internet superstar won a Webby Award way back in 1998 in the category of best weird website. But he had no idea just how truly weird the geopolitical implications of that site would get a few years later after the towers fell in New York. From the classic just to give people a little bit of background about me and you, um, I believe the first time I got in contact with you was when I was producing an episode of my first podcast ever called Old Wide Web, All About Bird is Evil. To know where the internet is going, you have to know where it's been. Every episode will examine the sites, terms, and personalities that have defined the online world. So strap on your chrono belts, time cadets. It's time to take a trip to the Old Wide Web. Episode 1, The Muppets Take Big Dash. 
Hi, I'm Bill Meeks, and welcome to the first episode of Old Wide Web. I don't remember if I reached out to you for any original journalism, but I, I know I reached out to you after the fact, and uh, you really liked the segment we did, and it's on the Bird is Evil Wikipedia page now. It is, um, and uh, yeah, which, amazing work, by the way, and I'll be honest, it took me a while to listen to it, Bill, and I'll tell you why. I just like, mm. I feel awkward when I read about myself or hear about myself. And so you sent it to me and I think it took me a whole six to eight months to even like listen to it. Um, oh, wow. and, and that's not on your, not, that's not because of the content <laughs> you made. It was because of my own like way of handling stuff written or said about me. <laughs> well, the, the, the guy who created that content, uh, it was about 10 years ago. He did it. So he's not going to take offense to it. He's dead now. We are going to focus a lot today on the history of our history on the internet, because uh, I thought that was a really fun angle to go go about. But why not, right up top here, why don't you go ahead, for the record, tell us where you're from. Yeah, um, you know, the, the, let's go with the, the most uh, uh, benign version of that, which is that I'm, I'm, I was born and raised in the Philippines. I lived there in Manila for, uh, for 25 years, 24, 25 years. I moved to San Francisco in 1999 and then mm-hmm. eventually moved to Seattle, which is where I am now um, in 2015. Mm-hmm. And I've been here for seven years now. So I think um, I'm, I'm from the internet, right? I think through all this um, from my youth in the Philippines, where if you, if you know anything about the Philippines from the seventies, which is when I was born, we were under a martial law, which meant that, um, our government was aspiring to be a lot more westernized for whatever reason. And so I was educated mm-hmm. in um, um, you know, my education, the entertainment and the business that I was around was very much like westernized and in, in English. And so even though I was from there, many of the things that I found as like part of my cultural and pop cultural upbringing was coming yeah. from everywhere in the world. And the internet, <laughs> you know, back in the early 90s, became a big part of that. So I'm guessing uh, then it's safe to say that you kind of got your first, did you get your first exposure to the internet in the Philippines? I did. I, this is going to sound really uh, silly now, but um, I remember it was um, 1993, 1994, a friend of mine. So I, um, for context, I, came, I, I went to high school in a international high school. So I had classmates from all over the world, expats and whatnot. And I had a buddy who had given me a hand-me-down, a 144 modem, which <laughs> I used in 1995 to connect to CompuServe in America. And just to give you an idea, that's, that's very expensive because I'm basically taking a, making an overseas call to America just to connect to the internet. And, <laughs> and, uh, and at the time, it wasn't even the web. It was literally just CompuServe. Hello. You know this place. It's big. It's moving. It's never the same. How do you keep up? How do you plug in? Get global. Go CompuServe. Millions of people are already there. Tapped into cool places. Sights to see. Music to hear. Movies to watch. Or not. New keys to computing, tips to trade, and ways to cheat. News of the day, 
ways to invest, places to shop with no pushy salesmen, ideas to consider, answers to big questions, and small. Plug into the world's largest online village. CompuServe and tap into fun. No matter what your taste, we've got your flavor. Try some. CompuServe, that was a fun one. Wasn't that the one that it had like, you, you didn't have a username, you had like a series of numbers, like 76541, blah, 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 blah. Exactly. So did you connect that? Because I know uh, CompuServe was one of the first exposures to the internet I ever had. I, we had to use like a, a telnet or not a telnet program, but like a terminal program in Windows yeah. to connect to it. And it was all text-based. You could download files, but was that the CompuServe you were on or? I was that, exactly that. There was like some sort of service you'd log on and you could like, I think it was like go and then a word like go Star Trek or whatever. And then it'll get you to the Star Trek part of it all. Most of it was text, but you could download images. And I remember yeah. taking a good, um, four hours just to download a small 500 pixel um, <laughs> image of Voyager, which was the new thing coming up back then. <laughs> and I'm sure it was all grainy and like uh, four colors. So like, you know, it, it looked like crap. <laughs> but... It looked like crap, but it was like, oh my gosh, I'm connected to the internet. That and BBSs. Yep. Oh, BBSs uh, were great. Uh, did you ever play, um, what was some of the door games I used to play? Legends of the Red Dragon? Why does that sound so familiar? Memories are flashing back. I don't think I, I may have tried to check it out, but I don't think I got too deep into it. It was one of those ones that most BBSs you would sign on to had a version of it because it was really extensible and people would make their own custom worlds for it. So, you know, every BBS had their own flavor. I may have like landed on some variant of it in the Philippines. Maybe that's why it's ringing a bell. Going back to CompuServe for a minute too, uh, something that, and I don't know if you noticed this or not, but you know, the more nerdy professions like comic book writers, they were all on there and you could go and you could talk to them in the, in the message boards and stuff. It was a golden moment in time where, yeah, like um, uh, writers, uh, comic book artists. Oh, here's something random. Um, the voice, <laughs> the original voice of Barney, um, the dinosaur had a early, like a, this was past CompuServe, but early, he had a website, he was a designer, but he was the voice of Barney and he was, everyone was on, everyone who, who was on the internet back then was like just like cutting edge, like trying to break through the industry in new different ways. And we were like corresponding a lot. It was an exciting environment too. It felt like versus today where everything is like very tamped down and corporate controlled and you have to like go into these certain walled silos to share your content. It was just completely free and open, not just, you know, things like CompuServe and the message boards, but, you know, Usenet news groups and, yep. you know, random FTP sites <laughs> that would have a bunch of software yes. and stuff. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What were your, some of your, your favorite places to hang out on the early internet? You know, GeoCities, just the random sites on GeoCities that I would find. Fark.com. Yeah, think. I think Fark's still around. Is it still? Oh, gosh. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the names right now, but there were some really, is it awful.com? Is that one of them? Um, Rotten.com. Really, Rotten.com. Rotten.com. It was all sorts of gross out, like, and people <laughs> getting beheaded. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was so horrible. Um, yeah, I've, got, I've still got some of the images vividly in my head. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like a lot of those creepy, weird sites were, were, were top of the list for me. 
and, and we'll get to your creepy weird site in a second. Don't worry. <laughs> um, actually, you know what? Why don't why don't we go ahead and get into it right now? So, Bird is Evil was a, a I believe a subsite on your sort of a web portal you'd created called Fractal Cow. Why don't you tell people a little bit about what Fractal Cow was and how it came to be and all that? Yeah. So again, this was probably nineteen ninety six. I had just like you know from from using the internet for CompuServe and then finally um, uh, ISPs opening in the Philippines, um, I took the opportunity to learn how to make a website. Back then, I remember being a person that made lots of like zines and finding <laughs> ways to get my, my, my poetry and my art out there. Yeah. Um, and my only outlet was to photocopy a bunch of these things, bring them to like music venues uh, or cafes and drop them off. And the only desire was not even to make money, but just for, for, for my stuff to be seen. Like we were mm-hmm. coming from that generation where there was no outlet, right? Yeah. And then the yeah. internet suddenly became like an opportunity to have an audience of thousands, if not millions. And how mind-blowing that could have was for someone in the Philippines, right? Yeah. Once the internet really got cooking in 95, 96, you'd see national or local news stations once or twice a month at bare minimum have some story about how this person posted something random on their website that had a blank tag at the top. And now they're, you know, they have a book deal. <laughs> yeah. The other part, I mean, it was like the first time media was a two-way road, right? Again, mm-hmm. coming from the perspective of a kid from the Philippines, just trying to absorb information. My connection to the world was magazines and back then before hyperlink, right? Before the idea of hyperlink, I don't know mm-hmm. if you ever felt this, Bill, but you would read a magazine and there would be some some clip about David Bowie and you're like, oh, that's cool. And next next week you find another book or magazine or movie and there's like, that's that's talking about David Bowie. And these like amazing hyperlinks start forming in your head where uh-huh. the internet wasn't there. And then to suddenly be exposed to this medium where, that allows hyperlinks and like things are actually interconnected and you could bookmark stuff and much more. You could be part of it. You could create content that can be part of it was mind-blowing. And so Fractal Cow, to go back to your question, was my attempt to add to what I was starting to see. And back then, if you remember, like 96, 97, the internet was filled with mostly .edu sites, meaning like academic papers. And maybe there was a few personal sites, but they were mostly like how I built my deck or how um, <laughs> how to um, Shetland ponies and whatnot. Like very like, um, what's the word? Almost, I, I wouldn't say I, it was all academic, but none of it was comedy. None of it was uh, absurdist in the beginning. It was all very sort of like bland, vanilla, just information dump. Like this is this is the equivalent of the encyclopedia, but, you know, index so you can. Yeah, we were still coming from that era where paper is expensive. Ergo, let's not waste it on frivolities. And so mm-hmm. when the Internet was new, oh, these these bites are important. We should never be like polluting it with with garbage and then i decided maybe i can fill it with some garbage <laughs> um, <laughs> fractal cow was my attempt at um a being artistic and b being silly i because I, I started to see things that influenced me like mr t ate my balls and mm-hmm. the spam camera um and websites as such that made me think oh maybe we can do other stuff with this thing and that's what that was that's the reason why i started to make it you saw some other people sort of like Fight, getting some creativity in there and you were like you know oh y- you could do this too it's not just an academic informational source it can be fun too 
how did you hit upon the idea for Bird is Evil? Probably your best known project from back then. I was visiting my my sister in Austin who had a um uh, a two-year-old baby at the time. And then I, you know, I, I I bought the kid a plush doll. And of all the things, so I remember going to the toy store and there was a bunch of like Sesame Street related figures. And I remember looking and there was like maybe one Ernie, two Elmos, a big bird. A big bird and like twelve uh, birds. No one's <laughs> buying birds. No one wants them. And I just like felt so sad about this toy. And I'm thinking, why does any nobody want Bert? And so I got him and brought it back to Sari, who's the kid, my sister's kid. And um, she didn't want it either. And so I remember <laughs> going back to the Philippines. I mean, this is me uh, visit, visiting Austin, buying this thing from the airport. I think giving it to the kid, and she doesn't want it. So eventually, um, after that vacation, I ended up bringing back the same toy with me. And I had this with me, and I just started imagining the reasons why people don't like him. And that, that, that became the start of that website. It's funny how sometimes just a little piece of inspiration can kind of snowball for you. <laughs> so uh, it, it really does. So you got inspired, and you built... What was the first... Because the way the website was set up was there was the main page with like the mugshot of Bert, and then there were... Yeah all sorts of different little articles. What was the first article you wrote for Bird is Evil? The first one, I want to say the JFK, if it wasn't the um, the Hitler one. Those are probably the first two that I made. And uh, and then also the other piece of context here, Bill, is that um, at the time, I was trying to learn Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a, a perfect way for me to play around with the program and give myself a theme that I can work with scouring the internet for like photos of Bert, cleaning them up and then putting them in awkward situations. Yeah. I will say that, um, you know, the Bird is Evil site and your Photoshopping that you did on there actually inspired me when I was about 17 years old. I had my own site about a fictional character's real life adventures called Braindom. Together we can defeat Brain from Pinky and the Brain. And basically the, my idea was I was going to... Uh, have brain and pinky in the brain be responsible for all sorts of different things uh, throughout history and culture. I think the first one I did was the Teletubbies, how pinky in the brain, the Teletubbies was actually a plot by pinky in the brain to take over the world. I did that one thing. I never did anything else with it, but yeah, that, that was my first website and you were the inspiration. So thank you. Oh man. How fun is that? Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll definitely, we'll link to that really, really shitty website. Uh, in the show notes. I, I think the, the craziest thing I did with it is, and I think I pulled this off CompuServe, there was a little utility that let you morph between pictures. So I, I took a picture of baby son from Teletubbies and yeah. morphed it into Steven Spielberg. I, did I, I feel like you showed this to me in an earlier conversation because it's bringing back some memories of me seeing that. Uh, I may have seen this. I, I very well might have, and we'll definitely link it in the show notes for people. It's kind of crappy, but for some reason, Tripod hasn't taken it down all these years later. I don't have <laughs> I don't have the login anymore or anything, but still, it exists there, and it has a counter on the bottom too. So, so Bird is Evil. I heard about it actually on the TV news. How did you find out that uh, your website was being covered by national and local and international news media? The popularity of the site um, became more and more through the um, through 98, 97, right before the Webbies. And uh, I can talk more about like how how I uh, hacked my way into that um, <laughs> in, in my limited ways in a second. But basically, 
it got featured in a bunch of magazines, the um, uh, Internet Underground magazine, and it got into, in, uh, uh, featured in some CNET magazines that eventually led to it being nominated for the Webbies. And it won the Webbies in 1998. I flew to San Francisco um, and accepted the award. And then uh, it got really popular after that to the point where I couldn't like, I couldn't support hosting it on my server anymore because back then in 98, 99, the more people visit your site, the more they charge you for hosting. And so the trend back then was that you would then create mirror sites, you know? And um, what I ended up doing was I zipped up the whole site and offered it up for me uh, to be mirrored by um, other people. And even now there's a bunch of mirrors out there of the site. Fast forward to 2001, the site has been running um, as a mirror for a few years now, and some of them have continued to make content. And somebody in Canada um, had made content of Bert with Bin Laden. Mm. And, um, you know, and if you understand the theme of the site, this is just par for the course, right? We just have a bunch of, you know, in fact, if I, if, if I was still running the site, if I was still making stuff at this point, I probably would have made it. But the truth was, it wasn't me. Somebody else made this image. It was a uh, of Bert with Bin Laden. Um, <laughs> and um, what happened was the image got used on a banner or poster in mm -hmm. a rally in Bangladesh post 9-11. Like it just showed up. And now Reuters saw it, CNN saw it, a bunch of news outlets saw it, and they all call me to confirm, <laughs> hey, is this from the Bertus Evil site? And I said, yes. And um, so now, now it's all over the news. And um, for uh, for a brief moment in time, I was getting some weird ass um, <laughs> death threats from like conservative moms. And um, oh, wow. it's, it's it's pretty funny now, Bill. But back then, you gotta understand, I was a I was an international student in America. Yeah. And I so I came to America in '99, and um, I'm an international student in America, fearing if I was going to be kicked out of the country for this silly thing that I did years ago. I can imagine that because, you know, I, I I mean, I don't know the exact regulations on, you know, visas and all that kind of stuff. But I imagine, you know, having artwork associated with you show up <laughs> in Bangladesh uh, during a protest. Yeah, might not. Might, they'd probably at least want to ask a couple questions. They might. And I'm like, luckily, they didn't. Funny enough, um, fast forward to much later on when I did become a citizen. One of the things. So uh, my path to citizenship was to apply for the uh, O-1 visa, which is an um, alien of extraordinary ability visa, mm. which is like um, something that mo mo normally is given to like actors, scientists, or athletes. Or Superman, probably. <laughs> or Superman, yeah. <laughs> people with like, people with like amazingly, amazing skill. But if you go down yeah. that list of um, qualifications, there were like seven of them. And three of them I had at the time, like one, you had content that was published internationally, two awards for said content, and three viewership of like of content in the millions or whatever. And at the time, Bert is evil was that. And so um, the funny, funny enough, the thing that I feared would cost me to be kicked out of the country is the reason why I got my citizenship. <laughs> like I, <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, that is fun. Uh, so. Um... As, you know, media outlets started becoming aware of Bird is Evil and stuff, did you hear anything about it from the people in your personal life or was it something you just went and bragged about? No, um, I, like, like I said, like um, 
I was very proud of that moment where it got nominated and I did win. But that back then, Bill, there was no one to brag to, right? It was like, well, if I knew mm-hmm. you, maybe I'd tell you about it. I have a few other nerd friends, but it yeah. wasn't really something that people cared about back then. And that's one of the reasons why I think I went to San Francisco because during that, um, during uh, the Webby Awards that I went to to accept the award, I started to meet all these internet and art luminaries that got me really excited about coming into a city that understood um, technology as it started to merge with art. That was not something that um, that that was like common any other place. I don't know how it was where you were growing up, but this was very unique at the time. Yeah, I I grew up in a for the most part in Wheeling, West Virginia, and there was there was no tech scene there. I w- I was the tech scene <laughs> in Wheeling, West Virginia. Yeah. I don't think we had a, we had AOL and CompuServe, but we didn't have like an actual ISP until like maybe 98, 99, something in there like that. Very late in the game. Very late in the game. Do you think you would have been working in tech in America if it hadn't been for Bird is Evil? I never thought about that, about it that way. So um, I, I think the easy answer is probably no, because um, it really opened up my eyes. So to be clear, when I was in, I was in college I was a fine arts major in the Philippines studying to be a painter. And um, my worldview of what it was to be a creator was very much like traditional and limited to like what I understood at the time. This was 1994, uh, 95, 96. I was, I was tra- training to be a fine arts painter. And then, like I said, I went to San Francisco in 98 and I started to see this like um, merging of the digital arts, uh, the, the arts and, and the new digital media called the internet. And I thought, gosh, this is what I need to be part of. And um, it was enough to make catalyst me into thinking I need to move to San Francisco. So um, a year after winning the Webby Awards and like being back in Manila, I decided to fly back to America and continue my studies there. So you're right, Bill. Um, Birdist Evil um, was a big part in me moving to the States. It made me realize that there was so much more I could do. I may have found that out eventually, um, yeah. as, of course, like a lot of these um, new medias were coming, and I would have discovered anyway. But that moment in time, just being at the Webby Awards, uh, being amongst all these amazing people, I met the founder of Burning Man. I saw David Bowie. I didn't talk to him, but he was there. <laughs> I, I saw a bunch of like amazing um, uh, designers and um, architects and all these people gravitating to this new technology uh, that yeah. excited me and made me want to be there um, and move there. So we'll come back with a couple questions in just a second. But first, uh, an ad from our sponsor, Stream Studio. So we'll be right back. Where I'm From is brought to you by Stream Studio. That's S-T-R-E-A-N-N Studio, the web app that puts you in charge of the live show. Stream Studio allows you to take your streaming game to the next level by allowing you to stream to multiple platforms at once. If you want to go to Twitch, if you want to go to YouTube, you can stream to all of those platforms at once, get feedback from your audience, and most importantly, it puts you in control of the show. Now, Stream Studio has several packages that work for just about any type of broadcaster. From the free plan, where you can stream with a watermark, all the way up to the gold plan, where you can have up to eight guests. You can stream to as many social platforms as you want. You can get a web link to share your show with external audiences, and you can even get an iframe so you can embed your live stream show directly into your website. Hey, I love Stream Studio so much, I'm using it to produce this show. 
I want to thank Screen Studio for supporting where I'm from. And you can give this fantastic software a spin and support where I'm from at the same time. Just head over to our website at billmeeks.com slash where I'm from and click on the Screen Studio banner so they know we sent you their way. And we want to thank Screen Studio for sponsoring where I'm from. Go check it out. Great, great service. So when you created Bird is Evil, obviously, Webby's noticed. Uh, it kind of launched you on a path here to America and the San Francisco area and everything. Did Sesame Street ever have anything to say about it? <laughs> because, you know, that is one of their premier characters, Bert and Ernie, you know? Yeah. I had two interactions with them. One was as the site was getting popular and what I can't remember for sure was whether or not it was after winning or before winning the Webby's. Um, I remember um, uh, sending a message to someone who worked. Oh, I think they sent me a message saying hello for whatever reason. And I asked if I was fine. And they, I remember at the time they were, they said they, they, they found it funny <laughs> and they shared a photo and I wish I still had it like a photo of Bert um, from from one of my drawings in the break room at at um, at the children's television workshop. So all to say that they found it funny. They had a sense of humor <laughs> about it. But this was before um, 9/11. And then post 9/11, um, a lawyer from their side did send me a very um, carefully worded, polite letter. Oh, like hey, we understand this is parody, but is it okay if you take it down? Like they were they weren't like it wasn't a cease and desist in a in a very like. Uh, it was a, it was actually very polite. It was more like, um, you know, is there a way we can, you can help us mitigate this? Cause it was getting really ugly at the time. And all, at that point I had no control. It wasn't even on my server anymore. All I could really do is put out a statement and say, Hey, let's take, take down the mirrors because, um, it's hard to believe now, but Bill, this was the first time something from the internet was crossing over to the real news media. It's so commonplace yeah. now, but this was mm -hmm. this was a first first time for for this kind of thing. Yeah, I would almost say like th this is the first thing I can remember that that really spoke to modern day internet meme culture, right? Like this was sort of the first internet meme. It was like um, I would yeah I would argue unintentionally became a, a proto meme because if you think about it, here's a mirror, take it make it yours and other people added to it. Like that whole idea, the mechanism of a meme was born out of this, I think. I've always been a big, like, sort of like open source information should be free kind of guy. And, and I love that you kind of almost federated the site in the early, early days of the internet and made the mirror to where anyone could go and host their own and create their own variation on the Bird is Evil site. Were there any that were you thought were better than yours? Or... <laughs> Um, you know, it's funny, um, very few, if anything, because the ones that came after, like, again, the, the Bin Laden birth one was amazing. That was really well done. But many of the ones that came after were just Bert's head pasted on somebody's body, which was never mm -hmm. what we did. If you look at the original site, we literally crafted the puppet to be there in a scene and made it look like he was actually in there, shadows and all. Um, it's something that we, we, we tried to make him part of a reality that didn't exist, uh, as opposed to just like, you know, 
going to the OJ trial and pasting Bert's head beside OJ. That was not what, yeah. that was not our shtick. And many of them were th- like that. Uh, and, and it's unfortunate that it, that was like the easier thing to do. And that's what people did. One image that pops into my head uh, that I thought showed a bit of artistry and uh, apparently you were the artist. I think it was Bert and Ernie at a strip club and it looks like a nice oil painting almost. It has like that texture to it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That was one of mine. And um, a, a lot of that was because uh, A, I was using really low resolution source images, right? I think back then you were lucky if you could make a you know 500 pixel image. These were like really low res. And so they ended up looking oil painting and sleek and like maybe almost like silky because of the lack of resolution. Um, That's the only way I could do it back then. Since you started life as an artist and in some ways in your professional career, you have used your artistic skills in a a, a million different directions. What do you feel about AI art that's kind of picked up speed and controversy and everything lately, like Stable Diffusion is the product I use, for example. Like, what do you think about that in terms of just like, being able to type in text and pop out beautiful artwork. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. This might be an evolving um, uh, uh, opinion, but I, I'm, I'm all for it. I love it. So, uh, in fact, um, so if you, you know, every year, me and my wife and my kid, we, 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 we put a lot of effort in making a um, holiday card. They're usually a photograph. This year, it was all AI generated. Our, our Christmas card this year was AI generated and we're really proud of it. Nice. The way I feel about AI art or AI create, creative assistance is no different from how I feel about um, the evolution of art in general. If you think about it, uh, back in the 30s, um, I may be getting my decades wrong, but back in the 30s, I think when photography first came, artists thought that it would, it would, be, it would destroy painting altogether as an art form. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, because of photography, um, painting was the, um, um, unburdened by the need to capture reality. Fauvism, abstraction, expressionism were born because of photography. Because, you know, with photography here, and it's able to do a lot of the realistic stuff, we'll just do other stuff. And so my, the way I feel about this is that with art being generatable or assistable by computers, I believe that humanity will strive harder to find more things to do to become successful artists. Another thing that I'll mention is as someone who's worked in um, game development and 3D art, tools have been created over the years to make it easier and easier to generate stuff. For example, it used to be such a pain in the ass to unwrap a model and paint UVs and um, Mm -hmm. create normal maps. But now these things are almost instant. um, what happens is now the artist or the creator can move a lot of these like, technical stuff um, on the wayside and just concentrate on what's important. And what's happening right now is that working in game development, there's more and more tools where you can just like have AI-assisted meshes or, or scripting um, like ChatGTP. And eventually, it'll just allow us to create better and better art, I think. Now, like I said, it's an evolving opinion in my part. That's what I think now maybe can still go wrong. But, um <laughs> Uh, but as far as I can see now, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm right on the same page with you. It feels, I mean, Photoshop back in the day uh, would have been considered like, oh, you're going to ruin the professional illustrator who works at a drafting table's way of life and everything. But really, it's just a tool like any other. And I, I think the thing I like about it is it, I'm not 
a great artist by any stretch of the imagination. I do a little bit, but it takes all the busy work, the stuff that you hate doing, like the, the craft work, it moves all that out of the way so you can just focus on the creativity. And again, you know, you, it's not as simple as just like, typing in a prompt and oh you have a beautiful image that is exactly what you wanted there's a lot of collaging that needs done and it's called impainting with image to image and everything yep. to refine these images and uh, i i still generally bring those images into photoshop for a final touch but it's just yeah. a it, it's just another tool it's another tool in fact the way i'm using it right now similarly to what you just described is uh, um i've been putting together a children's book that i've been writing for the past few years and um uh instead of uh eventually it's going to be you know hand painted and whatnot or sorry at least digitally painted by me but to quickly just go through panel by panel i've just been using um stable division and i've been using mid journey just to give my myself um understanding of how these panels could look like before i spend the time to actually paint them myself prototyping you're using it as a prototyping tool basically. exactly yeah yeah yeah. And it's like, I, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of pushback from the artistic community about specifically this tool, but these tools in general right now. But I, I think it, with technology, you can either fight it or you can learn it and use it to your advantage. And if you fight it, you're going to get left behind. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, like you said, the other thing you mentioned that's important to mention is uh, or to, to drill down in is like writing those um, prompts is an artistic skill to itself. Mm -hmm. You have to know your art history. You have to know exactly what you're looking for, right? So case in point, I was trying to come up with a specific look for um, these characters that I want for this uh, children's book. And I put everything that I thought I wanted in there and I could not get what, I'm, uh, what I wanted until I put Rankin Bass stop motion <laughs> still frame. And suddenly all the images started to look like that handcrafted like woodwork with a proper yeah. like almost like three-point lighting to make it all volumetric, that suddenly the art became to life and it became like what I needed it. And that's that's stuff that I needed to understand as a as a as a as an art major. It's like how where do I get my influences? And that's not always easy. So I don't think art is gonna die or art history or understanding art or even like the craft of art. It just I think it's just evolving to new ways of using it. The Rankin Bass thing you mentioned, uh, the Santa Claus episode we did last year, I used Rankin Bass as like my set style for all the B-roll. <laughs> so, but but uh, yeah, it it it's fun. There and it's just there's so much you can do with it. Like for example, I fed in I, for a couple of games on this show. I'd like to have animated characters. Adobe has a great tool called character animator that lets you animate via webcam, basically. But you need the characters to do it. So. I created a model of characters, like a character template for character animators. So I can type in Johnny Knoxville puppet and it'll give me a graphic that I can take into Photoshop and break apart to using character animator. And boom, I have my own cartoon in a couple hours, you know? How awesome it's, is that? Yeah, it's just amazing, amazing stuff. All right, Dina, well, we're going to let you go, but I do want to play one game real quick with you. And this game's yeah. called... Wheel, Wheel of, of Anecdotes. Wheel of Anecdotes. So I'm okay. going to give you a suggestion, and your challenge is to respond with a short anecdote from the early internet. The shorter, the better. Make sense? Okay. Okay. Got it. The first word is Usenet. This is where I think I found a lot of horrible stuff I don't want to talk about right now, but uh, <laughs> lots of fun. 
Fair enough. Okay, IRC. Uh, met a bunch of local friends through IRC in the Philippines back when um, servers for chat were starting to show up that I still know to this day through Facebook. Nice. Very nice. Uh, it's amazing, like, the, like those early internet connections. Like I, I knew a lot of people in the ZZT game creation community, and I still talk to them. Like we follow That's each awesome. other on Twitter, all that stuff. All right. Yahoo. Oh, oh gosh. Um, I remember when it was a search index and I was trying to figure out how to game it to make sure that more people went to the site. And um, <laughs> uh, I think back then you literally had to email, I forget his name, but there was somebody you could email and ha ask him to put you on top of a category. And if you give him a reason why he would put you there. And I think I got through this guy. Kit, man, can you imagine if Google was like that? Like you just had to email the right person and boom, yeah. it opened up. Okay, uh, Wired Magazine. Going back to what you said about uh, what we were talking about with AI generation. Uh, I don't know if you remember it, but back in the day, Wired Magazine had full on pages of just like one quote. They'd have like just some, mm -hmm. um, you open up to a spread and it'll be just like one big quote. And like it was like graphic design in a way you'd never forget it. And there was one quote that I remember from the magazine back um, in 99 or 98 and it said um, everything we can teach a computer is science everything else is art i don't know if that's true anymore but back then it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. again great quote until maybe the last two years and then yeah. it's like eh, walking the line all right uh netscape navigator oh gosh uh netscape navigator um always uh i you had to optimize for it it was the I, I'm I'm saddened that it's no longer a thing, but because I, I loved it as a tool, and I have fond memories of optimizing my site for it. Um, I, I I have memories of the putting a little badge on my site, the little thing that says you know Net, uh, Netscape Navigator Optimizer, whatever. And it made me so happy to say that yeah. I did it. Yep. The little animated GIF with like the comic going around the end. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yep. Just out of curiosity, I, I think like the, well, maybe like the grandkid or the step grandkid of Netscape is uh, Firefox. Are you a Firefox user or do you use Chrome? Um, I'm more of a Chrome guy, honestly. And I think it was more because uh, at the time, there was a moment in time where Chrome was faster and I stuck with it. I don't know if that's true anymore, but it's just all my bookmarks are there and I can't, I can't switch anymore. Yeah, that's a, it takes so much inertia to move to a different browser at this point with everything. Yeah. There. Okay, uh, Mr. T ate my balls. Oh, gosh. So um, I, I guess this was truly the first meme, I think. And I, 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 I still have yet to find out who made it, but I have the highest respects for them. Um, I, it's funny how even now when I find random images of Mr. T ate my balls on the internet, I can hear the same voice I would use when I read it when I was younger. Like, damn, these these balls taste good. And like, it's, <laughs> I keep hearing the voice in my head when I see these little images. Hacking. Oh, okay. So hacking. Back in the early days, it's not even real hacking. It's just um, a, a kid trying to game the system. There was this service. I don't know if you remember um, Link Exchange. Yes. Yes. So Link Exchange. For the audience, um, it was basically a banner system where the goal, the it was like a, a the if you put um, link exchange banner spaces on your site, you basically mm -hmm. open up your site to host uh, links to other sites, and in return, the more you 
um, allow other sites to be viewed as a link on your site, your site will appear in others as well, right? Mm. It's a it's a it's a really amazing system of like democratizing um, advertising on the internet. Um, yeah, and I, kind of I, kind of kind of has a taste of like social media to it too, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, because I'm a jerk, I remember I, <laughs> um, <laughs> I made I made the I put the code for so you're supposed to put one of those codes per page. I made a page um, with like. 85 of these um, um, links on one page and I created an, an, an auto refresher and I just refresh this constantly every day <laughs> and that's how I got Burtis Evil out there on everybody else's link um, link exchanges and so I cheated the system and um, that's that's how I gained popularity as I cheated it. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Man, if only I, I had known it was so easy to cheat the system back then. Braindom, uh, the brain site would have been, you know, as big as Burn Evil, if not more. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you would have wanted the, the, the infamy of, of, of what happened to Burn Evil. But yes, that was how I cheated the system. I'm sure, it kept, I'm sure they have ways around this now. But back then, I mean, that's how I got it. Yep. Wheel of Anecdotes. Well, Dino, I'd like to let you know that you won the game. The prize is nothing, um, <laughs> but you definitely won. You definitely won. I've never seen someone so excited about nothing before. I'm just so excited to talk to you, Bill. This has been really, really fun. Now, Dino, what would you say the biggest impact Bird is Evil had on your career or your life or your career? Yeah, I think I, I started to mention it, which is that I'm actually even here um, in America because of me being exposed to a lot of these things early, which was a big deal. And also like eventually becoming an American, I could, it wasn't because I was sponsored by a company. I basically sponsored myself because of things that I was able to accomplish in my life as, you know, albeit as crazy as they were, they somehow found it um, good enough to become a citizen for. Um, <laughs> So, so that's a big deal. But also, like, um, more in the abstract, I think uh, being creating a project that was in its time uh, been part of a bigger zeitgeist um, and understanding how social media worked very early on has really allowed me to think out of the box. And I've tried to apply that in everything I've done. I've, as you or you or your audience may or may not know, uh, I've worked in the games industry um, for a bit now. Um, and you know, even in the projects that I do on the side, like a lot of it comes back to like just me understanding an audience. Like um, I think being exposed to all this early made me understand um, the importance of working towards what an audience needs. Um, really trying to figure out what the bigger zeitgeist is. So, you know, in a sense, Burgess Evil has been a tool for me to become a better designer and all the other things that I do. I don't have a lot of personal awareness of it, but my kids loved it. Roblox, where you're currently working. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of DNA shared between a site like Bird is Evil and the random, you know, custom games and stuff that kids run in Roblox, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Wait, well, yeah, here, here, like just to just to um, loop it all back full circle, like we were talking about earlier, Bill. Um, the internet was yours and my ability to create content that was like feeding back into something we love, right? We love media. How do we feed back into it? And mm. now, I mean, not to sell, this is not an ad for Roblox and I don't want it to be, um, that's not my job here, but um, 
Roblox is that. The Roblox is basically how do we allow people to just like create stuff and it's as easy as like either playing the games if that's all you want to do or making games, which is equally as easy. It's almost like you press a button, it's it's on the server and other kids play it. It's it's kind of as magical as the first time you submitted something to an FTP site when you were young. It's that yeah. easy. And um, there's something magical about giving that to kids. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, the common thread through a lot of things we're talking about, the early internet, uh, AI, Roblox, it's all about democratizing content creation, right? It's about, yep. you know, trying to break down barriers so people that, well, they might not be the best artisan in the world, they can still have a voice and still share what they're all about, right? <laughs> That's true. Yep, exactly. Awesome. Well, Dino, I want to thank you again so much for joining us today. Uh, if people want to keep an eye on what you're doing, uh, where can people find that? You could either uh, follow me on Instagram. It's My Instagram is Ignacio Graham, basically my last name, Ignacio, and the word <laughs> Graham. It should be easy. And then on Twitter, I'm really boring. It's just Dino Ignacio. It's my Twitter. I'm not on Twitter as much these days, but I do post a lot on Instagram. But it's a mix of creative projects and um, uh, family photos. So if you don't mind the family photos, come on in. <laughs> yeah, and uh, less people than ever are posted on Twitter. <laughs> so you're not you're not too far away from that. <laughs> yeah. all, all right, uh, well, thank you very much, Dino. Uh, now, for you guys out there watching, if you like the show, please consider going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get a podcast and leaving us an honest review uh, to help get the word out about the show. You'll find all the links to where you can find the show over at billmeeks.com slash where I'm from. If you want to watch us record this live, we stream it over on the Facebook Where I'm From podcast and on my YouTube channel at Bill Meeks LA. If you want to talk to me about where you're from or if you have any feedback about what we've discussed on this show, go ahead and shoot me an email, bill at billmeeks.com. Uh, well, that does it for this week. Join us next time when I talk to somebody else about where they're from. See you soon. That was like, that was my, my understanding of being a creator was. Ooh, still with us. Oh, we just lost Dino. We just lost Dino.